You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. You're listening to the iDicket Podcast. A podcast where we talk about the student perspective of navigating the world of archaeology and anthropology. I'm your host, Michaela. And I'm your host, Alyssa. Hey there. Welcome to today's episode. If you can't tell, this episode is going to be a little bit different. Maybe you can tell from the title. I don't know. Mayhaps. But Alyssa and I were just interviewed by Joshua Guerrero for the 15 Questions with an Archaeologist podcast. And also on his YouTube channel as well. It was a little hint of best of both worlds over there. And we thought it would be fun to post his interviews over onto our podcast. So it's a little get to know the hosts in a way that is different than us talking amongst ourselves, which is always fun. I love doing that, but this is actually really cool. And I thought that it would be a great experience for people to get to know us and not just our own thoughts and questioning for ourselves, but for somebody else to be questioning us. It was really weird being on the other side. That's all I have to say. So here in this episode is going to be Josh interviewing Alyssa with 15 questions. I highly recommend going to his channel and listening to it and going to the YouTube video. It's really fun watching ourselves (laughs) over the video. Well, I haven't seen mine yet, but for Alyssa. And we're going to be having him on our podcast. And so that's going to be a fun little swippy swappy. Get to know another archaeologist and get to know everything about him and what he does. Because I know during my episode, I kept wanting to ask him questions about himself more, but it was not like that because it's the opposite. And I'm just used to interviewing and not being interviewed. But Josh is a great guy. It was really fun to talk to him and get everything out. And yeah, so without further ado, here is his episode on our episode. Enjoy! Hello, everyone, and welcome to 15 Questions with an Archaeologist, brought to you by the National Park Service Southeast Archaeological Center. I'm Josh Guerrero, and I'm your host, and this is the show where we're trying to collect as many interviews as we can, where we ask 15 questions with an archaeologist. Each podcast episode will feature one archaeologist answering the same 15 questions. I think it's going to be fun, and we just might learn something. And joining me today, I have Alyssa Loyalis, who is currently a student at Stanford, and she's also a co-host for the I Dig podcast. So Alyssa, thank you so much for taking the time for joining me today and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me so late in the day too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a right. And I, I, I did pronounce your, your last name correctly. Yeah. Cause yeah. I didn't even think I to don't ask even you know before. I we... pronounce it correctly. It's <laughs> yeah. I, I, I probably should have asked before we hit record to, um, before no we got going. <laughs> Close but, enough. <laughs> all right. Very, very good. All right. Well, I've been looking forward to um, chatting with you and learning a little bit more about you. You know, you and I, we've kind of sort of been, you know, connected for a good while. We kind of run in like the same archaeological and podcasting uh, circles as it seems. So, so as like we get going here, why don't you tell us um, a little bit about, um, you know, what you're uh, currently studying as a student over at Stanford and, you know, a little bit about what it's like to be the host of the I Dig It podcast. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so I'm currently a PhD student at Stanford. I just finished my first term um, and I'm still alive, so that's cool. (laughs) (laughs) Survived the first term in 2020, which is, I think that's a good accomplishment. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) um, I'm in the anthropology department on the archaeology track. So for the first two years, it's mostly just taking coursework um, in like archaeological theory and whatnot. 
And then the third year is exams and then fourth and fourth through six are more research. Um, and so my research focus as it currently stands, which will probably change as it usually does, um, is centered generally on Cambodia, specifically the Khmer Empire. Oh, wow. And yeah, and looking at um, human environment relationships within the landscape using GIS and remote sensing and that sort of stuff. And so that's what I'm doing or that's what I applied to Stanford to do. We'll see it if it ends up being that later. Um, I'm also working on the co-care archaeological project in Cambodia, which is kind of the project I applied to Stanford with. Um, I've been working in Cambodia for the last year and a half or so. Um, And I was actually living in Cambodia prior to COVID um, on a Fulbright research grant. So I was there from last September, supposed to be to this last August, but we got evacuated in March. So it was supposed to be 10 months, but it ended up being five to six. Um, But yeah, so in Cambodia, we were doing a lot of um, like remote sensing stuff, doing 3D models of some of the temples and the co-care archaeological complex, um, doing a lot of ground penetrating radar. Uh, We weren't doing any uh, digging at all. It was mostly just like surface survey and that sort of stuff and digital stuff. So uh, that's what I was doing for the last year. And then I also co-host the I Dig It podcast, as you mentioned, with my colleague and best friend who I met in my master's program, which I just watched your last video and you went to York. You studied at York in Yep, that's correct. I also did. So so did Michaela and I. So big York party here. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, we just started that this year um, right after I got back from Cambodia in March. So it's been a few months now. I think we're on episode 19 or something like that. So yeah, that's been a lot of fun doing that. Marvelous. Now, now, what year were you at York? Because I was there. Um, I started in the fall of uh, 2015, and I finished up in the summer of uh, 2016. So, might have we was, actually been on the ground at the same time? We were not. Um, oh. I <laughs> I started September 2018, and then finished 2019. So, I was there for the master's program in archaeological information systems. Um, in the archaeology department. <laughs> All right. Uh, great. And I don't know about you, but I'm actually really missing the place. Like <laughs> I loved living in New York and yeah, um, I'm so hoping good. to go back to England, hopefully before too long. So we'll yeah. see. I, it was so awesome living there and just being close to Europe in general. And we got to do like a five day road trip through Scotland. Like it was like close to finals period. So it probably wasn't the best timing, but it was really fun anyways. Yeah. But it's so cool. Like how much access you have to such cool history and locations. too. Yeah. It was just literally all around you. It was so amazing. But, um, well, we should probably move on before, cause I could really dive down yeah, like, this memory lane, you know, of your quite a bit. So, but you know, you certainly uh, had intrigued me talking about, you know, this uh, human environmental relations that you're studying in Cambodia. So, um, I feel like I might already know the answer to this next question, but I'll go ahead and ask it anyway. And that is if money were no object whatsoever, what type of archaeology would you do? Do you think you would continue on with this uh, human environmental uh, studies in Cambodia or might you pursue something different? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think I really enjoy what I'm doing right now and I can't really imagine doing anything else at the moment. But if you ask me like, 
what I wanted to do like two years ago, it would have been like in a completely different area of the world, completely different topic. So um, I, yeah, I think I just really enjoy following wherever it ends up taking me. I've mostly been focusing on like digital, like GIS and that sort of stuff and just like letting that lead. So I was kind of open to wherever that would take me and it ended up taking me to Cambodia, which I'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think I'm doing what I would want to be doing if I had all the money in the world. To do it, so. <laughs> all right. Very cool. All right. So we've touched a little bit on education uh, so far. So, but just to kind of dial things in a little bit here. So um, where have you received your education uh, thus far? Cause you know, you're a PhD student now, so you've come a long way and <laughs> why'd you kind of choose to uh, study at the locations that you studied at? Yes. So I'm on my third degree now. (laughs) Um, I did my undergrad at Dartmouth College um, in New Hampshire, and I didn't really choose to go there. They chose me because I was recruited for softball. And so I was recruited to go to Dartmouth like my sophomore year of high school before I was even really thinking about college at all. And I didn't even know where or what Dartmouth was at that point. And they were like, oh, it's an Ivy League. And I was like, oh, (laughs) that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. So I ended up going to Dartmouth. Um, I actually started uh, my undergrad degree wanting to do astronomy and astrophysics and then found out very quickly that I didn't really like math that much. (laughs) So (laughs) I started shopping around a bit and then landed in anthropology eventually in like my sophomore year. And then that uh, took off from there. Um, And then while I was at Dartmouth, I got really into archaeology, obviously. And then I also took some classes in the geography department, which introduced me to GIS and like remote sensing and that sort of stuff. And so I started working on a project with uh, Professor Jesse Kasana, who does a lot of remote sensing work in like Syria, Iraq, um, that area of the world. And so we did like um, mapping of looting and destruction to archaeological sites in the region of that world. And I thought that was so cool that we were like making this big impact of tracking all of this data. And so after I graduated, um, I took a year working in CRM a little bit and then Googled um, digital archaeology masters and University of York was like the first one that popped up. So I ended up going to University of York for my master's. And then that was super fun. And after, or while I was there, I applied to Fulbright and then Fulbright took me to Cambodia. And then while I was in Cambodia, I applied to Stanford and I ended up getting into Stanford also. I actually only applied to Stanford and decided that if I didn't get in, I would just go try to find a job somewhere, but I ended up getting in. So now I'm in a PhD, (laughs) but yeah, so that, that was exciting. But I chose to go to Stanford because of the advisor I applied to who's currently doing um, like human environment relationships using GIS in India. And so it's kind of adjacent and room for a lot of collaboration. And I thought we could do a lot of cool stuff there. So that's why I chose Stanford and because it's close to home and I didn't really want to be far away anymore after being in England and Cambodia and New Hampshire. (laughs) So 
Yeah, I, I was actually starting to uh, wonder where you were from. So it's like, okay, you're on the East Coast for undergrad, and then you went to the UK for master's, mm. and then you're going all the way to the West Coast for, for PhD. Yes. It's like, so <laughs> where exactly are you from in the midst of all this? My family is currently in Sacramento. Oh, okay. Um, I spent most of my life in Southern California, and then um, they moved to Sacramento while I was in undergrad. So they've been up here for a while. I've never really lived in Sacramento because I've been everywhere else. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're they're nearby. They're about two hours away now. So that's been nice. All right. Very cool. And and by the way, uh, who was your uh, supervisor over at York? Uh, was it, uh, do you have a Colleen Morgan by chance? It was James Taylor, but okay. I talked to Colleen Morgan a lot. She did more like virtual reality stuff, um, which wasn't really my alley, but I took a lot of classes with her and we hung out a lot. But yeah, James Taylor was my advisor. Okay. All right. Very cool. All right. So once again, you know, as we've alluded to, you know, you spent some time in uh, Cambodia, you spent some time in England, and of course you're in California now. So I'm sure you probably have a few interesting sites that you've gotten to work on so far. Uh, What are some sites that kind of stand out in your mind? Yeah, so one of the first sites I ever worked on actually isn't in any of those places. It's in Mexico. Hmm. Um, So when I was in um, my sophomore year of undergrad, that first anthropology class that I took, um, it was with Professor Deborah Nichols titled The Rise and Fall of Prehistoric Civilizations. And that was like the first anthro class I had ever taken. And like the second week of that class, I just thought it was super awesome. And I went up to her and I was like, hey, is there any like research you need help with? I'm super interested in like what you're doing and all that. And she took me into her lab and I started doing like data entry for her as like a side job in undergrad. And then after working with her for a couple of years, she asked me if I wanted to go to Mexico with her the following summer to do research. And so she helped me apply for a couple of grants and we got it fully funded and I I spent a month living in Teotihuacan, Mexico, working on a um, like 3,000-year-old site in the city of Teotihuacan. And so uh, that was my first introduction to archaeology, and I got to like climb the Pyramid of the Sun and hot air balloon over the ancient city and deal with like 3,000-year-old figurines and I was like, wow, this is a career. Like, I want to do this. So yeah, that was like quite the way to intro. start off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I don't know how anyone could not want to do archaeology after that. But that's what kind of got me hooked on the field. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, dialing things in a little bit now. So that's a really amazing site that you got to work on. But what about artifacts? I mean, I think when a lot of times that's what people would think of and they say, okay, what's the coolest artifact uh, you ever found? So I'll ask on behalf of those people who are interested. (laughs) So what's uh, some of the coolest artifacts that you've ever recovered? Yeah. So the coolest artifact I've worked with, I haven't uncovered any, but I've worked with a lot of cool things. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was a 3,000-ish year old whistle at Teotihuacan. We thought it was just like a crude figurine of like a dog or something. But then we discovered that there was a little hole in the back and we like dug out the dirt. And then we were the first ones to make a sound out of this whistle since it was deposited thousands of years ago. And that was just like the coolest experience ever it's like being the first person to make sound out of a whistle <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was that's probably the coolest artifact I've interacted with 
Yeah, sure. Sounds like it. And and actually, I'd have to say that's a first to come up on the podcast. I don't think really? <laughs> yeah, a whistle has not come up uh, before. Yeah, I mean, this is usually um, a question that gets very many mixed answers and mm-hmm. some pretty fascinating artifacts, but that's definitely a first <laughs> for sure. <Alyssa. laughs> Good, I'm glad. <laughs> so, all right. Awesome. All right. So you've mentioned a couple of people that you've gotten to meet and work with along the way. And that kind of coincides with my next question about mentorship, you know, because you know, mentorship is pretty critical for our development, you know, as up and coming archaeologists. So who have been some of your mentors that you've had along the way and how have they influenced you so far? Yes. So before I got to the University of York, um, while I was an undergrad, my professor would always talk about um, a previous student she had, uh, her name was Sarah Klassen, who had graduated like 10 years before me or six years before me. She's not that old. Um, six years before me. <laughs> She's going to get mad at me. Um, but she graduated six years before me and my professor was always like, oh, you should email her. Like she's doing similar things that you're doing. And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll do it. Like when I'm in a PhD or something, when it's like more relevant. But before I got to York, Sarah Klassen randomly started following me on Instagram and I was like, oh my God, this is the girl that my um, professor was talking about. So I sent her a DM on Instagram and asked if we could have a phone call and said like, hey, we both had the same advisor at Dartmouth. And she was doing some really cool archaeological research in Cambodia with all of the GIS and everything and LIDAR and all that. And we had like this two hour long phone call. And at the end of that phone call, she invited me to do fieldwork in Cambodia, which is how I got introduced to Cambodia. And so I ended up doing or focusing my master's research on that and like went to Cambodia for the first time. Um, like halfway through my master's degree and ever since then she's really just like brought me under her wing and introduced me to all the archaeologists in the area and has like put me on a bunch of projects and helped me with publishing and like kind of guided me and my whole career since that first interaction over Instagram so she is my mentor and I owe her the last three years of my life (laughs) in archaeology and all of those successes so yeah Sarah Klassen you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, the type of people that we get to connect with over uh, social media. I mean, well, of course, that's how you and I got connected <laughs> and, you know, making this thing, this thing happen. So I definitely say there's pros and cons of social media, but I guess it really depends on how you use it. Mm. But I think it sounds like, you know, I think you and I, we've been using it for the better so far. Yes, so. It's, it's crazy who you can meet over social media and how much your life can change from those interactions too. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So shifting gears um, a little bit yet again, um, what I have for you next and you know once again you've gotten to experience archaeology and a little bit of cultural research management in other parts of the world but uh what country out there do you think kind of think handles uh archaeology and cultural research management the best like who just seems to get it or maybe like even though you've been to some of these places maybe has it not been quite long enough to get like the full picture of what it's Mm -hmm. like in some of these places uh well but what are your thoughts on that Yeah, so I definitely don't think I can speak to Cambodian cultural research management yet, sorry, Um, but I saw a little bit of the UK while I was out there, and then I worked a little bit of CRM um, here in California. Uh, I personally don't really like CRM in California, and that might just be my experience, but it felt like very... 
um, kind of robotic, like you're mostly just like monitoring construction sites just in case something happens to pop up and there's not like a whole lot of research behind working CRM, especially as like a field tech, like you're not really doing much at all. Um, but I feel like with the CRM people that I talked with in the UK, they like really loved their job and the research they got to do and everything they were involved with in the UK. So I feel like the UK is more hands-on and they just have like a lot more to do, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I feel like my experience, it was very boring and I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, that's my take on it, but it's probably just where I was working and what was around. Okay. All right. Right on. All right. So shifting gears uh, yet again, uh, I also want to ask you a little bit about volunteers. Um, have you had much chance to work alongside volunteers in any of the field work that you've done, or maybe you've done some volunteer uh, work uh, yourself? You know, what's kind of been your experience with uh, that so far? Yeah, I mean, technically, I was a volunteer going into Cambodia in that research because um, I already had a whole team and she was just bringing me along for the ride. So I would say, yes, we do work with volunteers, especially if you're someone who's super interested in Cambodian heritage. I think that we could work something out. Um, We also work with a lot of uh, local Cambodians um, on projects also um, to get the community involved too. And so uh, that's pretty much the only volunteer experience I've had is working in Cambodia. I also did a field school in Washington state, uh, like right after graduating from undergrad, just to get that field school experience before CRM work. And we had tons of like older volunteers from the surrounding community work on that project too, which is really cool. So <laughs> All right, cool. All right, well, the next couple of questions that I have for you, these this is getting to what I say is the core of what it means to be an archaeologist. And the first of those questions is, what is just the best part about being an archaeologist? Yeah, I think the best part, in my opinion, is the people that you meet in the field um, and all of the time traveling that you get to do around <laughs> the world. Um, I think there's something really magical about interacting with the past so intimately and just like trying to put pieces of history back together, like as you're working on a site. And so, yeah, I think that and like archaeology is such a small world also. So you're always running into people that you've interacted with in your past also, whether that's like past professors or classmates and stuff. So I think it's really cool how small the community is and what you're doing also yeah 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 i I would i I would certainly agree with that we get the chance to just you know come across so many brilliant minds you know Mm -hmm. in this profession you know we get to kind of take a little bit from each person that we come across too don't we you know i mean some people might be brilliant with metals brilliant with pottery and we just kind of take a little bit here and there to kind of add to what I say our toolbox, you know? So it's uh, yeah, it's a uh, very rewarding for sure. But on the flip side though, what would you say is the <laughs> worst part about being an archeologist? Uh, I've had a lot of people disagree with me on this, but I really don't like field work. <laughs> I think I'm much more of like an indoor archeologist, especially like, yes, I like field work is amazing. And I love being able to see like 
all of the archaeology insights up close and personal, but also there's so many things that you have to like look out for in the field, especially in Cambodia. Um, for example, that just like make it so stressful. But like working in Cambodia, there were places where we would be like hacking through the forest with like a machete and all the while like red ants are crawling up your legs and falling from the trees and you're getting bit and then you have to watch out for like monkeys and bats and like all these other things that can like bite you and kill snakes. you snakes yeah and then <laughs> in like the guest house where you're sleeping if you have the light on at night it like rain bugs from the ceiling and like there's just a lot of things I don't enjoy about field work but then there's a whole lot of things that I do enjoy about it too so yeah other than that it's fantastic but yeah all of the bugs I don't enjoy and the things that could kill you I don't enjoy um other than that it's great <laughs> Yeah. And I was having a conversation with a colleague of mine in the UK and it seems like no matter where you go to do field work, you know, the environment's out to get you in one way or another. Like if you're in England, it's going to be cloudy and rainy most of the time. Yes. That. And then, um, and then here in the Southeast, you know, we got ticks, we got rattlesnakes, we got giant banana spiders. I've walked into their webs a few times uh, as, as, as well. And, um, I was in big Cyprus and, you know, they got pythons and alligators out there too, and um, Florida panthers, but fortunately I didn't see any of those. <laughs> but uh, oh yeah, it's uh, it seems like no matter where you go, the environment's out to get you. So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then in Southeast Asia, there's mosquitoes too, so you have to wa- watch out mm-hmm. for malaria and dengue and all that, so... No, oh, yeah. Fun, fun stuff. <laughs> and, and so, so you had to get issued um, like prophylaxis, like uh, mefloquine or malarone or something like that. I didn't take any of those just because of the side effects. Um, yeah. I heard that you have like really bad uh, nightmares and that sort of thing. And um, it wasn't a super big deal where I was living in Siem Reap. Um, it's more. Dengue was big in Reap, but not so much malaria. That was mm-hmm. more like rural areas. So, and you can't really do anything to prevent dengue. You kind of just have to spray yourself and let it happen. <laughs> or hope it doesn't Weather happen. the storm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I I didn't take any of the like uh, preventative things for malaria while I was out there. Yeah, because well, you know that that's that's accurate. The side effects because I had to take. I well, I didn't have to, but I I took mefloquin uh, for a while, and yeah, I had some pretty vivid dreams. Uh, uh-huh. This is when I was living in West Africa for Peace Corps, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I eventually had to get off it and switch to something else because yeah, the side effects were pretty overwhelming yeah. to be honest. I've, so. Yeah, I've heard it's not worth it unless you know like you're going to be exposed. Mm-hmm. a lot to malaria so yeah, I, yeah. I didn't want to risk it <laughs> <laughs> um all, all righty well you know moving on because i'm sure once again we can dive really deep down that you know uh um flashback there yes. um the next question i have for you and this is a tribute to the right stuff which is a wonderful novel written by tom wolf i would like to ask you who is the greatest archaeologist that you have ever seen <laughs> so the greatest, in my biased opinion, is my colleague and mentor, Sarah Klassen. <laughs> I'm just going to say that because she's, she's been so great in helping me with like my own career just generally and just the sheer amount of research that she does on her own also. The most famous one I've interacted with is Ian Hodder, who I just had my first class with at Stanford. And I was so nervous at the beginning of the term, like not knowing what to expect because I've literally been reading him like throughout my entire career as an archaeologist 
And so, but it ended up being, he ended up being really lovely and the class is great too. Um, so he is like the biggest name I've interacted with so far in my career. Okay. All right, cool. All right. Now the next couple of questions that I have for you, these are questions that I'm sure all archaeologists have been asked at one point in time. So I'll ask these uh, to you as well in this uh, podcast. And the first of those is, have you ever found a dinosaur? No, unless you count like chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. We're descendant of dinosaurs, right? <laughs> yeah, no dinosaurs. No dinosaurs, at least not, <laughs> at least not yet. I mean, give it time, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, I don't but think I, we're digging deep enough for yeah, that. Yeah, I, I was about to say, yeah, but if you do find it that, I don't know, you must have messed up in the field because you dug way too deep. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, we were quite following what we were supposed to be doing. So. <laughs> Okay. All right. Now the next question that goes along these same lines, and that is, uh, how do you feel about Indiana Jones? I am grateful that he exists as a way to get people interested in archaeology and aware of it, but I don't think he's the best role model for proper archaeological research. Um, but I, I do feel like I've been able to get as much excitement as Indiana Jones may have gotten out of fieldwork just by way of like riding on the backs of motorcycles, hacking through the forest with machetes. I think I'm like as close to Indiana Jones as you can get. <laughs> and also at to prom in Cambodia, Tomb Raider was filmed, which is another bad archaeologist. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm as close as you can get. So yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I remember I was actually, um, over Thanksgiving, I was watching, um, uh, the last crusade mm. and I just remember like, uh, I'm like, man, everything's getting blown up and crumbled down and fallen apart. It's like, this guy's a yeah. terrible archaeologist. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> so. supposed to do that. <laughs> So, but yes, uh, I, I've, I've kind of have like, yeah, the, the same, I guess, feelings as well of uh, Indiana Jones. So, I mean, great action adventure franchises, mm. but not really quite, um, you know. I think it was a lot of people's first exposure to archaeology. So for, for that, it's cool. <laughs> that are ancient aliens, which is where I got a lot of mine from. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, very good. All right. Well, I got a cu couple more questions for you, Alyssa, and we're going to kind of start wrapping up on a little bit more of a serious note now. And what I want to ask you is, you know, what advice would you give young people or maybe just even anyone for that matter who may be seeking to make a career in archaeology? I think we kind of touched on this a little bit already, but I think success in the field really comes from the people you meet and the connections that you form over time. And like the more you ask for help, the better, uh, whether that's an undergrad asking your professor if they need any help with research and that'll take you to Mexico or something like that, or like sending an Instagram DM, which will lead you to a whole new career path. So I think just reaching out to as many people as you can, especially if they're doing something that you're super interested in and just seeing if either they can help you directly or point you in the right direction. I think that's the best thing you can do as an archaeologist because it really is about who you know and where they can take you more than like doing it on your own. I don't think this is a field you can do by yourself at all. So 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. And it may be a bit nerve wracking to, you know, ask uh, for help, but I think probably what any of our listeners can keep in mind, if that's something that they're facing right now is if you don't ask, you don't get. So if, exactly. if you, if you, if you don't ask, you're, you're not going on that, um, you know, field trip or you're not mm-hmm. going to, you know, go to that class or to that conference or, you know, whatever. But so. And once you do it and it works out, like you'll see how awesome it is and it'll get easier over time to reach out. And yeah. So definitely ask away. (laughs) Okay. All right. Right on. And I got one last question for you, Alyssa, and this is a pretty big one too, this final question. And that is what can the general public do to help protect archeological sites? Hmm. I think it's really important to spread awareness of sites on both local and international scales. Like the more people know about a site and their significance, the better chance that there is that they'll be protected down the line. And we are nothing without our history. And so it's important that we maintain and protect all of it and know as much as we can about each other's history as well so that it's not used against us. So, yeah. <laughs> We're okay. nothing without our history, so protect it. Okay. All right. Wraps right on. All right. Well, Lisa. That's it. That's all uh, 15 questions uh, all wrapped up. But before we uh, close out here, I just want to give you a couple minutes, you know, to kind of, you know, we touched on your podcast a little bit, the I Dig It podcast. And, um, you know, I know you're kind of doing some other things as well. And you're out there in the social media space, like we've mentioned. So where can our listeners go to find you out there on the internet? And where can they tune into the I Dig It podcast? So the I Dig It podcast is currently being hosted on the Archaeology Podcast Network. So you can find us and a bunch of other really awesome podcasts there. Um, we also have an Instagram, which is I Dig It Podcast. I have my own personal archaeology Instagram, which is aal.archaeology, I think. And in that bio, um, we have a link to our Discord of archaeologists, which has been a really fun time. Um, we have like over 60 archaeologists, I think, in the Discord now, and everyone gets assigned um, a different role based on their interest in archaeology. And we host lectures in there sometimes. I'll post like my Stanford lectures in there. Or, like if anyone else has conferences that they want people to check out, they'll post in there too. And there's spaces for um, like jobs or asking about like grad school applications and that sort of thing we also have high schoolers in there also and also people who are professors so we have a really big range of people in there and then about the I Dig It podcast um, it's kind of about like the student perspective of archaeology and so we wanted to do something more than just archaeology storytelling or hearing from professionals in the field. We wanted more about like the student experience of applying to school, going through school, getting internships, all of that sort of thing. So that podcast targets um, people from like high school to postdoc and just their experiences going through academia and trying to make it as transparent as possible and as real as possible. So that's what that podcast is focused on doing. And yeah, so you can follow us pretty much everywhere. All right. Well, um, I'll be sure to get all of those uh, linked up in the show notes for this episode. So listen, you can go and find them there, find them there, make it nice and, you know, convenient and easy for them. 
All right. Well, Alyssa, I want to thank you very much for taking the time uh, for joining me today. You know, I'm glad we've been able to uh, connect, uh, you know, via social media like we have. And, um, you know, I appreciate you and the work that you're doing and, you know, keep up the good work. And I hope the PhD uh, progress, you know, keeps moving steadily, but I'm pretty sure you got a tough road ahead of you. But, um, but yeah, but thanks so much for being here and sharing all this with myself and the listeners. You know, it's been great. Thank you so much. Fun. <laughs> All right. All right, everyone. That's our show for today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NPSSEAC. That is at NPSSEAC. And be on the lookout for more episodes of 15 Questions with an Archaeologist dropping at the first of every single month. And please remember that since we work for the government, we spell archaeology without the A and the E. So it's just a little bit different when you read it in the title. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I'm Josh Guerrero, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope that you found it really fun and enjoyable. I know I did when I was listening to it on his podcast and watching the YouTube video and then listening to it while I was editing this podcast together, or I guess stitching this podcast together. But be sure to look at all of his videos and podcasts. Highly recommend the 15 questions with an archaeologist. I'm going to be posting all of the links in the description And yeah, Josh Guerrero, check him out. He's awesome. Well, we will see you next time. Bye. This show is produced by the Archaeology Podcast Network, Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle in Reno, Nevada at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.